Hello, it's Shelley F. Knight, bringing you Positive Changes, a self-kick podcast. Today on the show, I'm joined by Lee Horton, and he's a leadership and change coach. So hello to Lee. Hi, Shelley. How are you? All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. I think you're going to have a really beautiful story to share. So please, let's start. Share your story of positive change. Yeah, no, perfect. No, firstly, thanks very much for the opportunity to share the story because um, because I think it's really important. And for the last couple of years, I've been trying to get it get it out there um, a number of times. Because I think it's so powerful and it's had a massive impact on my life. But before I start, uh, before I share the story, do you have a friend, Shelley, that um, you might not have seen them in a week or a month or even a few months, but when you come back together, it's like you've never been apart. Yeah, like a soul connection. It goes deeper, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, and like you can, you can, you start again the conversation, and it's picked. You pick it up, and it's like that gap that you had in between that the, from not from seeing them is it never existed. Um, and I've got one of them, a guy, a guy called Chris. And um, and two years ago, I, as you said, I was a leadership coach. And before I before I was uh, self employed and had my own business, I was um, an employed leadership coach and business improvement coach. And I was working on a site in, in London um, for a client and I got a phone call um, to say that Chris had, had taken a turn for the worse, so I should, I should come home. Um, so I got on the train at London Euston. I um, got out at Preston train station. I dashed to a black cab and got in the, got in the black cab and said, uh, I can send me to St. Catherine's Hospice. And when I got to St. Catherine's Hospice, I walked through the door and sat down with his sister, his ex-partner, one of our other friends, and then and Chris was lying there, and he was frailer and paler than he was just a few days before when I when I last saw him. So because um, this was on a Wednesday, and because um, the the other three had had been doing doing their, their shifts there, I said that I'd spend the night with him that night, and uh, so I sent them off, and um, at, like laying on the couch, dabbing his lips as we're going, just chatting um, through the, through the night. And at 10 to 8 in the morning, because my breakfast was due at 8 o'clock, I got up, I said, right, Chris, I'll be back in, back in a minute. I'm just going to have a, have a wash and, uh, and just sort myself out. So I went into the bathroom. I had a wash, brushed my teeth. And then I left, I left the bathroom. And I looked over at him and his chest expanded. And then that was it. He'd chosen that moment of me leaving the, um, me leaving the bathroom as, as his, to, take, to take his last breath. So I made a few phone calls and told everybody that the, the time had come. Um, and I, I went outside the hospice and, and I sat there on the wall outside the hospice with the sun beaming down on me. And I thought to myself, I thought, I'm a, I'm a fraud. Um, I'm a fraud because I, I, I've got two young children. And at that time, they were three and five. And every morning I tell them, I tell them that they can be whatever they want to be when they grow up. Um, and I was sat there reflecting. I was going, I'm, well, I'm not being everything I want to be. And that made me think about the, the three lessons that, that Chris shared with me before he passed. And I'll go into those in a second. But, and that really was the moment. And seeing his, his chest expand has been really the catalyst for so many amazing things in the last two years. And so when I talk about his three lessons, his perspective on life changed. I always remember, so I'm, I'm sat on my, on my couch now, and I remember him, him pulling up at the front of my house um, when it, 
uh, he drove around. We were watching uh, Liverpool in the Champions League final, um, not the one that they won, the one they got beat from by Real Madrid. And he, he came round and he went, "Oh, you'll never guess what happened." So he had, he has, he's got two boys. Um, he says, "You'll never guess what happened." I says, "What, Chris?" He said, uh, "He said a car pulled out in front of me, and I did nothing." I was like, what do you mean you did nothing? Because we always used to laugh and joke because he was one of the ones that if a car pulled out in front of him, he'd rile him up and he'd follow them. <laughs> he'd follow them through the streets and end up um, maybe pulling up behind them at their house or whatever or flick the V's out the window and stuff. And he was like, I did nothing. I said, why did you do nothing? He went, well, it doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't matter. And that's, that stuck in my head so, so much. So when um, he was told he was terminal uh, and there was nothing else that the, uh, the, the doctors could do for him, um, the consultant left the room and I was the first person to walk in the room. And we were, t- we were talking and he was like, uh, he, said, he said, you've always wanted to be a consultant. You've always wanted your own business. And I'm going to come into some money because I'm going to be extracting my pension and sorting the boys trust fund out, his two boys trust fund out and stuff. And he went, I'd, I'd love to, um, I'd love to kickstart you in doing what you want to do really and, and set you up in business. I was like, no, Chris, I don't want that. But that story about him coming around to my house to watch the Champions League final stuck in my head. So I said, what I'd love, Chris, is I'd love the opportunity for you to think about what are the three most important things in your life when you're reflecting because your perspective has changed so much. He was like, bloody hell, Lee, I wish you'd just ask for the money. That's far easier. <laughs> <laughs> so over, over, the, over the coming weeks, um, I'd, I'd, I'd go working away and I'd come back and he'd go, right, okay, I've got the first one for you. And so we were talking and he said, uh, he said when, when him and an ex-partner were splitting up, he said that he tried to be somebody that he wasn't um, and he tried to be somebody he thought that she wanted him to be. And he said, that didn't make me happy. It didn't make her happy and we still ended up splitting up. So he said, no matter what, Lee, no matter whatever you do, just always be yourself. And that was the, that was the first lesson. They said, always be yourself. And then... Um, in fact, I'll tell you all three. I'll tell you all three lessons, and I'll tell you what I've done with these three over the, over the last two years. So that was the first one. A couple of weeks later, I went back and went right. I've got the second one for you. Said um. He said when you're not working away, you, you come you come and see me, um in in the house or in the hospital or in the hospice. And he said one of our other mates rings him at twelve o'clock every lunchtime. And and Chris, he was my best man at my wedding, godfather to my youngest, to my daughter. We lived next door, but three since the age of one. Um, and, but we went to different schools and we had many opportunities to choose different paths, but we never did. And he said, he said, if we'd have chosen different paths and got different friends, he said, I don't reckon that those friends would have been here like you are and like our, our other mates are. So he said, no matter what, just always make good friends. Always make good friends was the, was the second one because you never know when you're going to need them. Um, and then, um, probably about two weeks before he passed, we had some tickets to go watch the Foo Fighters at the Etihad Stadium in Manchester. Because uh, he bought those tickets before, be, before he was given the, the news that there was nothing else that could be done for him. But, so we agreed with the hospice and the Etihad Stadium that we could break him out of the hospice. We didn't really break him out, but he just sounds <laughs> grander. It's more exciting. So eight of us, eight of us went, uh, Chris, his ex-partner, the two, uh, and, and the two boys, and then four, four of us. So we broke him out of the hospice, um, and they went and sat in a, uh, in a special seating area just in case he needed to leave, and then four of us sat in a, in a different area. And on the way back from that, um, after um, Chrissy's boys and um, and their mother dropped him off at the hospice, the youngest boy said, "Is it too late for my dad to uh, to take me to Anfield to go around um, to go around Anfield with with Lee?" And uh, so the um, the mother of the boys rang me up and, and said, "Is it possible? Can we can we do it?" So uh, we rang Anfield, we arranged the tour. That was on a Thursday night. We went to Anfield on the um, 
on the Sunday. And it was an amazing, amazing day. We, wheel, um, we had ice creams outside. The, uh, outside, the sun was beating down. Um, we wheeled him round. We had a private tour. We had as much time as we wanted. We we all bought top. Well, we all bought Liverpool kits, and uh, we had a drink and stuff. And we got in the car on the way back. And Chris's two boys, they were fourteen and sixteen at the time, and my boy, who was four at the time, they sat in the back of the car with us. And uh, and Chris looked over at me and he said, um, he said, how many times have we had an opportunity to do this? I said, yeah, probably, probably loads of times we've had an opportunity to do this. He said, why did we choose this moment when I was a burden, when I couldn't do everything that, um, that I wanted to do, why I couldn't sit on the seats that you all wanted to do? So the third lesson is time's limited. So I, I, so it's kind of, I was sat, I'll fast forward a couple of weeks, when I was sat outside the hospice, the sun beating down and reflecting, thinking back to what my what I tell my children every single morning and going, I'm a fraud. I don't have my own business. Um, I'm not being myself. And, and, and in fact, a typical example of me not being myself is um, a few years ago, probably about six years ago, I got a tattoo. Um, so you'll, you'll be able to see it, but the audio listeners won't be able to see it. But on, on, me, on my wrist, there's about a two inch gap from my, from my wrist to where my tattoo starts because I was conscious of what people would think of me. So the tattoo means something. I've got my kids' hands on here. I've got um, different things tattooed um, on me. And, but I was more conscious what other people would think than, 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 than me showing who I am. So always being myself. I've not, I've not been myself. I'm not, do, not doing the job I wanted to do and, and stuff like that. So when I was sat on that, that, that chair, that bench, thinking I'm going, I'm a fraud to my kids. I really got to use these three lessons to really kickstart myself. I've got to start always being myself. So for the last two years, I've, um, I've been trying to understand what that means to me because Chris had his reasons for picking those things um, when he was um, assessing his 39 years. So it was, it was cancer that got him, his third bout of cancer. He had, um, he had two bouts of lymphoma and then he had and melanoma was a, was a bugger that got him. And when he was reflecting, he had stories behind each of those three things. But I didn't know what they meant to me. And that's what I, the quest that I've been on and really trying to understand deeply what these three things mean to me because I want to share them. Because my biggest regret in life is... Is, have, is losing Chris um, and having, having to lose Chris to have that kick up the arse, to yeah. set up my business, to do what I want to do, to start being myself, to start making good friends, to start, um, start, to start now with things. And, and I really don't want other people to have to lose somebody to realize that actually those three things are really important and, and, and they're within, it, within everybody. Um, so always being yourself, in fact, I pause there because I'm conscious. I'm just, I'm just waffling on now. Um, <laughs> do you have, is there any any questions or anything based on based on that that I've said, or do you want me to just keep waffling on, I'm, which I'm really happy to do? <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it, and I think it will help a lot of people because we do just go through life and we're so busy being miserable or sort of being stuck in the past. And it isn't until we have something like our own health or, you know, the impending death of someone else, we start to think, you know, we, as I think, as we said in the episode with Ian Ward, who's dying young, yeah. we all know we're going to die, but nobody knows when until we get a diagnosis like Ian's got or like Chris has got. And so I think it's really important what you're saying, like, you know, that you should have maybe had been more aware we all should be more aware about how precious life is you know before we're going to lose ourselves or someone in it so no I think it's beautiful what you're sharing 
Yeah, com- com- completely couldn't agree more with what you've said there, Shelley. Um, so like always being yourself for me and in the journey that I've been on is, is always been myself now really is about that voice in your head. Because I think if you can understand what that voice is saying, the things that you say in your head typically manifest themselves externally as your behaviours or how you are. Yeah. And so I've been on a journey over the last two years to really understand actually how your thoughts drive your behaviour. And when I'm doing um, when I'm doing my business improvement stuff and, and things, I talk about that. And, and what we try to do is we try to get people to think differently, to then behave differently. And always being yourself is just trying to just being conscious of your thoughts at all, at all times. And then making good friends is is pretty much that. Whether it's a connection, whether it's a client, whether it's a customer, whether it's um, well, whatever it is, every, the success of everything is, comes down to people and your ability to to make good friends. Um, so I don't think it's just about like the, the lads that I've grown up with. Um, it's about every interaction I have. I'm now consciously trying to make better connections with people make better friends with people because you never know like chris said actually you never know when you're going to need them and chris Mm -hmm. meant it based on him lying in a hospital bed um but i think it's the it's the secret behind great leadership it's the secret behind sales it's the secret behind just life is the power of connection and the power of relationships that we that we have with with others um so that for me is what making good friends is and then time being limited one of my biggest frustrations is people who uh, who say that they want to they want to um they want to start a diet on monday or they want to <laughs> go to the gym uh, at the beginning of the month or they're going to do this at the beginning of the year if you really if you really were committed to doing that thing getting fitter or whatever whatever that thing is that you want to do what, what's stopping you from doing it now? I, I, don't, I think there's something about the motivation of doing it. So when I think time is limited, the journey to Anfield, how many times did we have an opportunity to do that? I think if you actually really want to do something, do it now. So from seeing Chris take his last breath, I've, um, I've started my own business. I've got a business partner, Jason. We've, we've got our own uh, business improvement consultancy or coaching company that for the last two years we've been doing and weaving Chris's three lessons in because these three lessons i never realized the importance of them when when he said them and i'm starting to only realize them them now because they are the secrets of of everything i think so when you when you talk about social media and the the, the, the importance of that everybody always says oh, be authentic and, and yeah. just be true to yourself um when we talk about um sales and they go, people buy from people. So if you're not yourself, then they can't buy from you. So I think it's the secret of sales is because I've done some sales training over the last two years. Um, I've done, uh, like I said, I'm a business improvement person. And these three lessons, um, if you want somebody to change, then you need to be, you need to build trust with people. Uh, and that's what making good friends is really, is about level of trust. There's a book called by David Meister called The Trusted Advisor. And in that, he introduces a, an equation that says reliability plus credibility plus intimacy over self-orientation is the um, is your trust score, and and I think that my friends might probably trust me more than a lot of other people do, but that's because reliability is there. You, you certainly you, you're credible with certain things, and you, you just take time to build that level of intimacy. And I think there's not enough weight on the level of intimacy. 
Um, and I think that is so that's so important because that's the, there's something about connection. Yeah. There's something about really understanding, actively listening to people. Um, people are too busy thinking about what they're going to say next rather than listening to what people are saying to them. Um, so I think those three lessons, always be yourself, make good friends, time is limited, are actually the formula, the, the, what the, the criteria for anything that you want to be successful in. Um, so yeah, there you go. I could talk about, I could talk about these three things um, for, for, for all the time, Shelley, and I'm, I'm conscious that I, I might end up repeating myself no, I absolutely love it. So I worked at End of Life and I've wrote quite a few articles on about like the life lessons from the dying. And I don't think it can ever be told too much. And I know that people might listen to us today and then make a change today and be gone by next Thursday or something. But I think it's really important, the work we do, the words we share, because, you know, we say like, we're all going to die. Everyone goes like, yes, yeah, it's very lovely, but they don't think they do. And there's always an element of surprise when somebody dies around us, but we are all dying, which sounds really macabre, I know, Lee, but <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it yeah. yeah. And I think, no, just share the message. I mean, I had like five life lessons I used to see with my chemotherapy patients and they sound so simple, like Chrissy's words, don't they? Like, I think um, one of the key ones was like, be happier. And I used to think, really? <laughs> but we don't allow ourselves to be happier and like you were saying about Chris's relationship you know he was trying to be something that he wasn't to make it work and it still didn't work you just need to be happier and that yeah. doesn't matter what someone else thinks do you know what I mean if I made a choice and it didn't make someone else really happy that's all right because it's my life my way kind of thing so I totally get that connections another one that used to come up so much and it is that connection to ourselves, to others community the universe whatever you want to you need that connection there's a great thing someone shared with me last year it's something like um if it's lonely at the top you did it wrong <laughs> yeah and I love that because I'm thinking actually yeah you don't just trample on people in life do you know what I mean it's like that whole thing that I had in the 70s because I'm quite elderly is like you know treat people how you want to be treated so connection is absolutely key and I love what you said there yeah speak your truth I... was another one and I think you do I mean I'm like you know I'm at that kind of time in my life now where I just say what I like because you know I've got too many years <laughs> behind me I think yeah what's the worst that could happen so speaking your truth which is you know what Chris did I think it was quite difficult because he said at one yeah. point you know Christ would you rather have the money do you know what I mean <laughs> yeah yeah no dead right dead right I'm glad you said the happy one actually because um because in, in fact just behind me or just just here I've got this uh this this three six so every single morning um what I do is is I sing. Well, me and the kids we sing a song before we, we don't. Not a song. That song's a bit too grand for what it is. If I'm entirely <laughs> honest, Shelley. So, but but what it is, I want I want the kids really to to start to internalise. Um, so it just says on the wall, I'm happy. I'm myself, and I always do my best because I think if I can get if I can get the the three kids, they don't really understand. Oh, sorry, the two kids to understand those three things. Um, they don't really understand what it means to be themselves all of the yeah. time, but they're, they're starting to say it. And I want them to be, to be conscious of that more and maybe start to question it as they grow, as they grow older. So the five and seven, um, but just by singing that, they, they sing it, I'm happy and they smile and, and I'm myself. And, and so hopefully they're internalizing that and they're going off to school or they're sit, sitting at home at the minute and, and doing the schoolwork that they're consciously going to try their best, they're consciously going to be themselves and they're consciously going to, going to be happy because I think not enough people are happy and not enough people are present 
either. They're always thinking, thinking about everything else that they got doing, they've got to do. Um, yeah, no, I, I love that. What were, the, what were the other three things? So, so it's be happier, connection to something bigger than yourself, speak your truth. And then it was, um, it's, again, they sound so simple, but it's do more of what you love. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're always like working and oh, I, I'm sure I've done it in the past, Lee. I'm sure I have. But it's always like when I'm that certain age, when I've got that amount in my bank account, five-year plan, do you know what I mean? It's just sort of like, what about now? Like you're saying, like the being present, the awareness of now. So do more of what you love. It's not all about work. I mean, I've really opened, like I went into the private sector for a while and did chemotherapy. So I was nursing like millionaires, but they were palliative, they were dying. And that's where a lot of the lessons come from. You know, like they worked and worked and worked to provide for their family, but actually there was so much resentment in the family because they weren't there. You know, the pound signs weren't, but they weren't. So yeah, do more of what you love. And then very much what Chris was saying, you know, like going to Anfield and things like that. It's just live your life, not someone else's version or expectations. Like, yeah. you know, when I gave up nursing and became an author and podcaster, the amount of people, mostly generational, but the amount of people said, that's lovely, but when are you going to get a proper job? <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> that, that's what I want to do, you know. And for years I've had that niggle that I've always wanted something more spiritual. You know, I want to help people in life but not on drug rounds, shift work, certainly not night shifts, uh, you know, so live your yeah. life. And it is, you know, thinking when I've got that money, we'll take the boys to Anfield. It's just like, actually, we're going to go because we're alive and we're able-bodied. We've got the money and it's, you know, just living while you're alive. It's going to be, you know, probably harder to do when you're dead, I should imagine. Yeah, yeah, no, completely. I, yeah, I love that living while you're alive. I think that that's really, that is, that, that sums it up doesn't yeah. it that's about being present in every moment um listening in every conversation um and and just and staying true to yourself as well i think that there's there's so much so much power and i know you, you said that they are simple they are simple to they are simple to um um to to hear or to say but they're not easy to do either because we have so many other distractions and and social um pressure and peer pressure that uh, exactly like you just said it when you are oh, author and podcaster when are you going to get a proper job yeah. <laughs> people people uh, are constantly trying to get us to do other things um because the, because that's what they believe believes right me nan actually me nan passed um in in the january before chris passed in the july and and the what i, what I love about me nan, i used to go around to um to arrive every to every um Every uh, Friday night was my night with my nan, and I used to take chips round. And everybody knew it was a chippy tea for, for Lee when he finished work to go to his nan. So no, nobody would um, would dare come in because my nan would my nan would go crazy because it was her time. <laughs> on the on the other occasion when I was at the house with, with other people, and maybe maybe my mum was there, and maybe my mum had a go at my nan, or my auntie had a go at my nan, or my cousin had a go at my nan for not doing something. My nan would be there, sat sat eating her chips and gravy on the couch. Just uh, looking at her she, and she'd wink over she'd, she'd like wink at me and she'd go in one ear out with the other and <laughs> and and the the beauty of that sentence now when i've when i've really tried to understand what chris means by always being yourself and thoughts driving behavior the beauty of what manana said there in one ear and out with the other she was consciously choosing whether to listen to what the like the the nagging that she was going or what just let it pass through her head so she could still be present with me having having chips and stuff so it's a conscious choice whether you whether you want to listen to people 
uh, whether you want to take on board what they're saying or whether you want it to just be in one ear and out the other, like me and I love that. And, uh, and now I'm joining all of these things together. I, I think there's so many lessons. Whether they intended the lessons like, like I'm interpreting them, I, I've got no idea. But I think there's so much power in, in some of the simple things that people say. Um, but yeah, in one ear, out the other. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that and too. I think it's brilliant. I think Nan's a brilliant. I was like raised quite a lot by my grandparents. My parents are present as well. My grandparents and they're, they're just a whole different type of person, aren't they? They're just brilliant. And my yeah, grand, like, she, I think you don't have this expression. Maybe it's just an Essex thing. But we used to say like, um, she hasn't got a bad bone in her body, and that was my grand. Do you know what I mean? But she was very much like your, like your nan. She would just be sort of like, yeah, I, I hear that you said something, but it's not for me. <laughs> It'd just be gone, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah, completely. And at that age. Typically, so all of the older people that, that I've come into contact with, they find it easier to be themselves. Yeah. They find because they know who they are. They've they've got the war they they've they're more comfortable in their own skin. And and I think just because like at 39 past, but with those lessons, the older gener the, the grandparents and stuff more comfortable in the skin. If that's after so many years experience people start to be, then I think the sooner that people realise that actually being authentic, being themselves, having tattoos wherever they want tattoos rather than covering up for other people. I think I think I think it's for the benefit of, of us all individually. I think it's so powerful. So yeah. powerful. And there's so many lessons that we that we just walk past and we don't see. Yeah, I love that. It's it's very true. But it is as you said, it's like living your life. And I think it's just so true. And I have like really bad brain fog at the moment. And uh but I haven't even got that excuse. I've been like this for about a decade now, Lee. And it's just like, I think I could pretend to be this, but I've got a really bad memory. So I'm just going to be who I am. And if you like me, come with me. And if you don't, that's fine. Do you know what I mean? Marmite, yeah. isn't it? Like, if you like me, fair enough. And I am outspoken. I do totally embrace this freaky truth. But I just know who I am. And I don't like conforming. Yeah. I don't really wear fashion. Um, I do sort of go in and out of social media. But I just have to stick to my path because I don't really want to be zigzagging through someone else's. I'm easily confused yeah. for one. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but and I think I think that's but that's that's a perfect way to be though, isn't it? Because you'll attract you'll you'll attract like-minded people or people yeah. with similar values, and then that's how we make good friends. So the and that's how I think these three things, the Chris's three lessons, stitch together. So if you're always yourself, you'll attract like-minded or similar valued people to enable you to then make good friends. Um, and, and I think that's the power of it. So if you want to make good friends, be yourself. Because it's like it, when you when you walk into a bar, if you um, if you walk into a bar and, and like random strangers, uh, if you go up to them and start saying things like, "Oh, you're a, uh, you're a multimillionaire and you're not," then they'll find out in the end, and yeah. they'll know that this. You know what I mean? So I think being yourself helps you be helps you make better friends. Um, and then and being true to yourself helps you take action now as well. So there's a real thread through Chrissy's three lessons that, that I think, yes, they are simple to um, hear, to say, but they're not easy to do because of the, all of the other noise that we have around us and, and what everybody else perceives normality yeah. to be. So that leads me on to ask, because you do like leadership, which I love. I love the word leadership. So with leadership, you're doing a lot about mindset, aren't you? And things yeah. like that. So we're saying, because this is me, you see. So I think it is quite simple because I think whatever you do in life is your choice. So, you know, if you don't 
like what you've got, then you need to create change or whether you're choosing it. So it all comes down to choice. So you can choose negative or positive. It's still going to take the same amount of time and energy. So when you're working yeah. with mindset, do you find a lot of people are just, I don't know, like, I don't know if it's secondary gain or they just have that comfort zone. Like I know who I am, even if I'm sort of like a size 28 and want to be a size 12, I know who I am in this identity. Or if I move on from the past of that broken relationship, that means I've forgiven them. I mean, why do people not want to move on, do you find, with your coaching? I think, it, yeah, so I think it's an amazing question, that, Shelley, because I think that if I could understand that from in every single in every single person then i would i would be amazing at what i do because i think <laughs> um but i think it's so individual and i think it does come down to comfort so if you look at some some leaders some leaders are in their position because they might have been it they might have been the best producers of widgets so pe people who are great widget producers use historically used to get promoted to leaders and then um but they're not necessarily the best leaders other people that um maybe uh, have been leaders for a period of time whatever has got them to that position they don't want to change it because they believe that that's what's been got them got them there so they continue that methodology um and that approach but those leaders that are more self-aware i think humble I, I think there's a there's there's a definite power in in being humble and humility and i think if you find a a leader that is is humble i think they are more self-aware they are more accepting of change themselves and they recognize that they they don't have all of the answers um so and it's very similar to, to this tattoo really i was i was worried what people would think and say of of me with a with a tattoo some leaders are worried about doing things different to what all of their peers um, but my favorite quote is a Socrates quote, and um, it was that um, I cannot teach anybody anything, I can only make them think. And I think as a leadership coach, as a business coach, as a person, then like my nan said, in one ear, out the other, if I can, if I can make people think differently or introduce a challenge to them, it's entirely up to them whether they take that lesson and act differently and think differently about it. So that's the challenge for anybody in my position. It's to just get people to think differently because then hopefully their behaviors will change. But if they're not open to thinking differently, um, then they're not going to. So I think it's such an individual situation that it's just finding those right triggers to, to spark spark the thoughts and then, and then confidence in that leader, that leader being confident enough to maybe do something a little bit different and again yeah. confidence is a, is a feeling isn't it and so that's driven by your thoughts so then you've got to build the confidence and, and show them that actually things are possible um but yeah i'd love i'd love to have the secret formula for, <laughs> to be able to, to get all leaders to think a little bit differently yeah <laughs> yeah that would be amazing that would be amazing you find it let me know <laughs> yeah <laughs> we'll stick it in the show notes <laughs> yeah brilliant brilliant no, I love it because I think like your thoughts create your reality. So if you think negative, you attract negative. But if you think positive, you can have like positive things. But I just then see or I'm aware that so many people get stuck. There's like a fear of becoming greater. And I just think maybe you had the solution, you know, it's like, well, why would you rather hang on to that secondary gain? Like what do you get from just being where you are? Do you know what I mean? Because I think when we've yeah. had people like my nursing background and your connection with Chris, we know that it's no good staying in the past because you know time is changing. You know, even if we don't change, 
the world around us is changing so we might as well like leap on board yeah so i, th I think you, you are right in what you're saying there shall i think it comes down to pleasure or pain so is the pain of what you have to do to get from where you are too much or or is it easy is the pain less just to, to just maintain that yeah. um that status quo because to make to make a change typically you have to do something different yeah. and that might that might be really painful but the pain of of the current life the current situation might not be bad enough to warrant that step so i think it comes down to the motivation of, of what you're trying to whether it's pain or whether you're trying to um, overcome pain or whether you're trying to um, achieve pleasure i think there's, there's something really in in pleasure and pain um there was something i read um a, a good number of years ago now by a guy called paul mcgee um i don't know if you know the sumo guy he, he wrote this book called um sumo and when he it was one of the first business books i read it, it was shut up and move on um but what what paul mcgee has also um got he's got this um thing this formula e, e plus r equals o so event plus reaction equals outcome and if we all consider that all events are neutral so if everything in the world is neutral if coronavirus is a neutral event and we can't because we can't do anything about it but it's our reaction which is the r which determines whether it's a positive or negative outcome which is the o so e plus r equals o so like chris when when i start when we started chatting um earlier that car pulling up on chris that was an event um and chris used to deem that as a negative event so that would then cause him to then drive up behind them and follow him on or whatever but when he realized that actually it didn't matter it was a neutral event and his reaction was it doesn't matter so i think there's something in understanding that all everything that happens in this world is an, is neutral it is all neutral yes losing chris is is deemed a, a horrific thing and losing my best mate after 39 years yeah it it was really really difficult um but my reaction to that in the first few months was was not the most positive um but what i'm trying to do now by sharing his message and and i want my my i'm purely driven by making his memory outlive me that's what I, that's what i want to do because he was taking it's taken to you so I'm, I'm trying to have a positive outcome and i have a positive reaction to that to that event that i had i had no control over so i think e plus r equals o is is difficult at times dependent upon the event but i think understanding that has, has kind of helped me get through a lot of things i absolutely yeah. love that i was just thinking about all the things you put in and as you said you put christians if you put like a grief in as your event and then it's how you react to your grief and that's the outcome of how you overcome it or live with it or just say as i've said like before i'm a nurse in like when people die their family gets stuck or they sort of face their own mortality thinking right I'm doing it now, you know, life is precious. I just had a shocking reminder, like you had with Chris, you know, life does actually end when we least expect it. And so yeah. it's actually really powerful. And we didn't get a secret formula to coaching, but we have got one in the, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thanks to the ERO. And it, it really works. I'm thinking even if it's a positive event, you know, like, I don't know, publishing a book is a really positive event and then how people react to it is the outcome. But no, it's brilliant. Yeah. You can apply it to anything, can't you? No, you, you can. Yeah. And I think just so again, that's like if, if you can get people to think about that as a formula and as a method, then that maybe gets them to do a different, have a different reaction or a different behavior. Because um, that comes back to that the Socrates quote, I can't teach anybody anything, I can only make them think. And hopefully that formula makes people think that actually all events are neutral. 
it's my own individual reaction that will determine the outcome. So yeah, there are horrific events. Coronavirus has seemed positively and negatively dependent upon on, on your stance in that and the impact that it's made. And, and I think the outcome will be different. Having to wear a mask, going so different different pools of people reacted differently yeah. to that as well. So I think but that's all just neutral events. They're all neutral things. Um, but it's our own individual reaction that will determine whether it's positive or negative for us. Yeah, it, I think it does apply everywhere, that. Yeah. I, I love that, and that's stuck with me for a good number of years, that formula. Yeah, no, I love it. Because I always say, like, I try, you know, in my latter years, <laughs> that I always <laughs> like to put everything down to experience. You know, in the past, I would have been quite angry or, you know, like, if a relationship ended, I was quite feisty. I probably ended it, if I'm honest. But, you know, <laughs> that weakens my argument. But I'm saying, like, in the past, <laughs> I had, like, it was either good or bad, you know. But now it's more, it's experience, you know. People come into your yeah. life for a reason, a season, a lifetime. You know, everything's just an experience. And I love that. But I really like that event, reaction, outcome. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just in terms of relationships, again, if we just go back to Chrissy's making good friends, you're, you're authentically you um, and you're true to yourself. So the people that, that you meet and, and stuff like that, that's, that's because of you being you and, the, and, and, and who you are, attracting that like-minded, value-driven person do you know what I mean yeah. I think I mean there's so, there's so much in these these things that's why they have been life-changing for me to because I've, I've consciously wanted to share them um so I, I share them for two reasons actually one because um I I want Chrissy's uh, messages to outlive me which is what I think is driving me but there's a, a selfish reason as well that that I think the more, if I don't talk about them, there's a little niggle in the back of my head thinks that actually you're going to start grieving for Chris again. Because at the minute, I talk about him and he's with me in my business. He's, somebody referred to him as the sleeping partner in my business um, because he is, because he's, he's there. I get to talk about him. I get to use his lessons in, in the products that we, that we deliver um, and the courses that we've got. Um, and I don't, want to, I don't want to feel the way that I felt um, in the past so there's two reasons why I do it one selfish and one because I genuinely believe that everybody can benefit from from these lessons no I absolutely love it I loved it right from the start like when you said when you was with him you went off to brush your teeth and things like that and he took his last breath and I was so grateful that you shared that because in all my nursing times people struggled for years they're probably still struggling now outside the podcast Lee if I'm honest that they just beat themselves up as if grief isn't heavy enough. They'll beat themselves up that they weren't there where mum, dad, friend, daughter, whoever took their last breath. And it's just like, they choose the timing of their death. I, you know, I've said about this in my oh. next book. And it's like, you go for a coffee when that evil nurse says to you, you know, go and get a coffee. We're going to change the sheets. Or you think like, I'm going to leave my brother by your bedside, whatever. They will go when there's no one in the room. They don't want yeah. you to be there at their last breath. They don't want that to be your last in memory, you know. And the fact you shared it, I was like, yes, Lee, that's exactly. <laughs> yeah, but, but I, I, there's something I need to say now as well, because I, I, I don't ever tell anybody this. But um, when, um, and I was tingling when you were, talk, when you were talking then for, for a reason. When Chris was, um, when the consultant left his room, and and I went into the room and he was and there was nothing else that they could do and stuff and we got talking. There was another nurse in the room, and we, we all had a little bit of a cry and stuff because the, because that was that was the uh, that was well there was nothing else that they could do. And he went and he said to me, um, he said, "Do you think I'll know? Do you think I'll know when I'll be going? Do you think I'll know? Do you think I'll get to choose?" And the nurse said, "Well, some people believe you can and some people believe you can't." And he looked over at me and went, 
I'll let you know, Lee. And I was like thinking, and I think, no, I think to myself, no, bloody hell. So he waited till I came home from, from London, from London. He waited for the night that, that I spent with him. He waited for me to go, right, Chris, I'll be back in a minute. And he waited for me to leave the bathroom before going and going. Um, because he said he would let me know. And, and I never tell anybody that because, because I, because I think it's, because I don't know whether people believe it or don't believe it, but I fundamentally believe that now because we had, we had this conversation going, do you think I'll know? Do you think I'll not know? And then I will let you know was, mm. was what he said to me. And, I, and, and honestly, so when it, when he let me know, and then when I went outside and was, was thinking about everything that he, that he, um, he shared with me and, and stuff and, and all of that stuff, I mean, look, there's, there's something, there's, there's so, it's so powerful, so powerful. So I genuinely now believe that you do choose if you have something yeah if you've got an opportunity to choose yeah no i truly believe it i mean i upset so many doctors you can't believe this can you because i'm not you know look so quiet <laughs> but no i did upset so many like doctors and that because i i always remember um calling family in from germany <laughs> and i've like all over the world and things like that and the doctor's like but we're changing their antibiotics they'll be fine and intuitively is all i can say it's not you can't prove it scientifically there's no science of shelley it's a hard thing to define but intuitively <laughs> I knew their days were numbered. I knew this wasn't going to make any difference. We'd done everything we could medically, but I think spiritually, you know, we have that sense we're going to pass. Even the fighters who don't want to go because they've got young families, I think we still have that. I don't know because I haven't died in this lifetime yet. But um, <laughs> I think we have that inner knowing that it's our time. And I think there is an element of our human spirit, whatever it is that we can hang on till people come from Germany or we can wait till they go for the coffee down the corridor or brush your teeth, you know. Yeah. I honestly think it is one of those life choices you know and I've seen people yeah. like, I always remember nursing a young mum with sarcoma and she had a babe and a, somebody under five her child and she was fighting absolutely to the end but there was that moment you know when you step out that that's when they go and I don't think yeah. we're ever alone do you know what I mean oh, this is getting a bit far out now I'm sure for many people probably tuning out but <laughs> even if the room is empty I still don't believe we're ever alone I don't yeah. think, you know, that's not why we're here on this earth. I think we know it all comes down to love and connection. I think even if you walk out to brush your teeth, get your coffee, you know, there'll be someone there to help the transition. That's what yeah, I like to no, think anyway. Yeah, no, completely, com com completely. Because when me and Chris were having a conversation, um, he, he kept referencing his, his mum who had passed a couple of years before um and and she waited for to just be alone with the youngest son and uh, the, uh chris's dad wasn't in the room um because so and everybody believed that 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 chris's mum chose that moment um for who was in the room um so i i and i didn't believe it then because that was like the first instance but then the second instance and when chris went i will let you know that's one hell of a coincidence yeah beautiful isn't though isn't it i mean it's probably yeah. oh yeah 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 it, it's amazing i'm so grateful for 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 him taking the time to to think about those what really reflect on his life um share those three lessons um and so i'm grateful for that but i'm also grateful for the 39 years that i got to spend with him as well yeah I mean, yeah. I think if he chose you, I just think it's most, it just says about the depth of your friendship and the fact you was clearly destined to meet. I absolutely love it. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. So it's so powerful. So powerful. So I, and I just wanted to just honestly thank you for the conversation and just giving, giving me a, a, another avenue to, 
or an avenue to share these messages because I'm, I'm so driven by, I think I said right at the start that my biggest regret is having to lose Chris to learn these three things. Yeah. Um, so whether people believe or, or disbelieve what I'm saying, um, I think it's just a, doesn't, you choose whether, like my nan says, you choose whether you let these lessons in or not and whether you do something different off the back of these things. But I just genuinely believe the more people I can get these through to, the more people that they can influence. So, yeah, I think like with all the episodes, whether we're talking about grief or near death experiences or cancer or postnatal depression, you know, some people will absolutely resonate with the episodes and they will love it. And others will be like, no, no, that's not for me. But I think we're all here as mirrors. So when people don't like what they hear, like, you know, you're never alone or we choose our timing of death, you know, it's something in them that they need to work through. And I don't mean that horribly, but we're all here for lessons. And I think if, it, if people think it's a bit spooky, don't want to talk about death, then that's, it's just not their time for this episode. But I think your message and Chris's words will help so many. Yeah, good. And I hope, I hope so. I think it comes down to a level of understanding as well, doesn't it? It's like, um, I think I read something like a couple of weeks ago that um, the words, so it was snowing here. So I was doing, I just like, I'd look at a little look for, uh, for, for snow stories. And, I think Eskimos have got 52 different words for the word snow. So they can, they can, they can pick the right snow to build with. They can pick the right snow for whatever and whatever and whatever, because they're, they've, they've got a deeper level of understanding of the word snow than what we see um, once a year or once every couple of years. Um, and, and this is what I think now with Chris's three lessons, he, he said them based on his, um, for his reasons when he reflected on his 39 years for the last two years I've been thinking about these three things so I think I've got a maybe a more deeper level of understanding of these three things that that mean something to me and that for me is like an Eskimo with snow and when you talk about uh, people choosing when to leave um, and people never being alone I think you, you used the word experience before your experience and, and the number of people that you speak to with that. So I think you've got a deeper level of, of understanding because of your experience has given you that. Yeah. Um, just like Eskimos have got 52 words or however, however many different words for snow, their level of experience of snow is different. So, so yeah. So I think, I think there's something in that as well. There's just a level of understanding yeah. of, of the individual concept. Yeah, no, yeah, it's sorry for the way. digression. No, it's not digression at all. It's kind of consolidating it. I love it. And it is just like, you know, it comes down to experience, your belief systems, what's got you through life so far, you know, and how they'll apply the lessons from today. But I just want yeah. you to recap because I've absolutely loved it. So what are the three lessons I've got down? You've got always be yourself, always make good friends, and remember time is limited. Yeah, yeah, th yeah. Those are the three things. So always be yourself, stay true to you, and remember that your thoughts drive your behaviour. So understanding what that little voice in your head is saying, then making good friends. But that whether that's connections, clients, customers, relationships, anything is an opportunity to make a better friend because you never know when you're going to need them. And then if you want to do something different, if you want to, if you want to go to to visit Anfield, or you want to start a business, or you want to start a podcast, or you want to write a book, don't wait until Monday. A week on Monday, the start of the month, just start now because time is limited. So, yeah, those are the three things. So, no, thank you, Shelley. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you today. Oh, I've absolutely loved it. Thank you so much. Cheers. If you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure you subscribe and leave a positive review. 
if you would like to create your own positive changes, you can buy Positive Changes, a self-kick book from all online book retailers or from ShellyFKnight.com. If you need a dollop of positivity until the next episode, come like and follow us over on Facebook at Shelly F. Knight, Life Goes On. As always, I've been Shelly F. Knight and you've been amazing. <laughs>